Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. For the past few weeks, we've been in a series called Life, and we've been talking about some of the tools that we need to build an effective life, and today we're going to dive into relationships. Now, I understand that within this room, you're going to have a lot of different people in a lot of different boats. Some of you in here are single. Some of you are dating. Some of you are married. Some of you are married and wished you were single. (laughs) Some of your marriages are thriving. Some of your marriages may be falling apart. And so within today's talk, my desire is to really hit every aspect that we can. So this isn't going to just be for married people. It's also going to be for those who are single or maybe you're dating. All of these things that we're going to talk about are principles that you can apply, but you have to apply them. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to apply them. And anytime I talk about relationships, I want you to work on you. Does that make sense? Many times when we talk about relationships, we want to automatically put it off on to our spouse and go, "Mm mm-hmm, I hope you're paying attention, bud. But before we try to figure them out, we need to take a look at ourselves. The prophet Michael Jackson said, look at the man in the mirror. Because before I can fix them, I need to deal with me. How many of you know Jesus told everyone, he said, hey, before you worry about the speck that's in your brother's eye, deal with the beam that is coming out of your face. And I think we would all do well to do life that way. Before I worry about everybody else's problems and situations and hang-ups, why don't I start looking at my problems, situations, and hang-ups and take them to God and say, God, I really need help here. I need help. Listen, I know that my spouse needs help, but God, I really need help. Because if I can get help and I can be healthy, then we can work on us together. Fair enough? So somebody say, this is for me. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Kings, the sixth chapter. This is a story that we've been looking at continually through this series. And today we're going to look at it again, but from a different angle. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at the axe as a tool that we use to build our life. Today, the axe is going to be an allegory for our relationship. Somebody say, the axe is my relationship. The axe is my relationship. I want you to get that so that when I say the axe in this message, you automatically think relationship. Or if you're single my future relationship, all right? So 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, after a sip of water, that's not in your book if you're looking for it. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan and each of us get there a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, go. Then one of them said, be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And they came to the camp, uh, or they came to the Jordan, and they cut down trees. 
But as one of them was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water. And he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. The man of God said, Where did it fall? Somebody say, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and made the iron float. Somebody say, Miracle. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand. And he took it. In the story, you have a man who is trying to build a future. He's trying to build a better life. But in the process, things began to fall apart. Sometimes in our relationships, things fall apart. We don't intend for them to. We don't go into a relationship hoping it's going to fall apart. We don't expect it to happen. But if it's not maintained properly... We wake up one morning to find out that the axe head that we used to have is now in the water. And so we want to look at this from two different scenarios. One, we want to look at, at relationships from a proactive standpoint. Because how many of you know it's, it's good to be ahead of the curve? If I can work on something before it happens, that's good. But no matter how proactive you are in a relationship, there are going to be moments that you have to be reactive. Somebody say reactive. Because you're not Jesus, so you don't know all things. You can't figure all things out. And so when things start to shift and change, I've got to learn how to react in a way that can get my edge back. Because how many of you in here, don't raise your hand, you want your edge back. We all should, if we're in a relationship, desire to have that edge. What am I talking about? That passion, that, that thrill, that desire to want to be with one another, that desire to connect on a deeper level with someone. Those are all things that we should desire. But over time, those things that start off white hot end up becoming really, 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 really cold over time if it's not maintained properly. I already quoted the prophet Michael Jackson. Now let's quote the prophet B.B. King. He says, the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. And the problem is, in relationships, too many times the thrill leaves. And when the thrill leaves, we have to make a decision of what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? So what is a proactive thing that I can do in my relationship? The first thing is this. I've got to examine the axe. Turn to the person next to you and say, examine the axe. So from a marriage standpoint, I need to be looking at my relationship all the time. I need to be examining it. I need to be looking and determining where are the fractures. What do we need to work on before this thing falls apart? What are the conversations that we need to have with one another they're going to take that are going to take us into a healthy place what is going wrong right now inevitably somebody out there is thinking you know what i'm good everything in my relationship is perfect the problem is your spouse is thinking i'm miserable did you know that's possible sometimes you think everything is all good and your spouse thinks it's all terrible and because we're not great at communicating our feelings we never let you know what we're going through hello you'll see something within us before you'll hear us say it 
And many times what you see is just the fruit of a deeper issue that happened somewhere else along the way. And so we need to examine the relationship. We need to start looking at behavioral changes. Is there an action that has changed? Is there something that used to happen that is no longer happening? Am I really taking time to express my deep needs? And when I say my deep needs, am I really getting to the root issue and saying, in this relationship, this is what I desperately need? And let me say this to you. Within a relationship, if things begin to fall apart, the only way to get the axe head back is for both people to want it. Relationships take two people. I mean, that, that should be like, that shouldn't have blown your mind. It has to take both people saying, you know what, I want what we used to have. I want what we used to feel with each other. And I really believe that if you have ever felt it, you can feel it again. But it is going to take some work. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's going to take some work. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take examining the acts, and it's going to take working together. You know, if, we, if, if I had somebody up here with me, and we were going to dance, and I'm the only one up here <laughs> getting down, and they're just standing there, there's going to be some problems. Because if I love to dance, and they're not wanting to dance, eventually I'm going to find somebody who wants to dance with me. We all have needs. We all have desires in life. We all have deep needs. We all have basic needs. And we as human beings are going to find a way to meet that need. As a partnership, as a relationship, as a marriage, our desire should be to meet the need of our spouse, whatever that is. If they need to be heard, we need to sit there and listen to them. Sometimes when women talk to men, Instead of men listening and absorbing what they're saying, we automatically want to fix it. The problem is they don't want you to fix it. They just want you to listen to it. Well, so <laughs> I've got to understand this, and I've got to meet her at that point of her need if I want to have a healthy relationship. Vice versa, anything that I need. It may not be your need. It may not be your desire, but if you love me, you want to meet that need, and you want to meet that desire. Again, because you got to hear me, if there is an itch that needs to be scratched, that itch will get scratched somewhere, somehow, by somebody. Do we need to move on? Or we get... is, this, is this too real for you? Is this too honest? You need to understand that somebody will scratch that itch. It might as well be you. Personalize this. It might as well be me. So examine the acts. We need to look at it often because just because it was good a year ago doesn't mean that everything's okay right now. Because you may, you may go to the store and buy a brand new axe. It may be great, but the more you hack away at life, the more things are going to become loose. The more you chop away at life, the chances are the handle could become splintered. And it is easier, hear what I'm saying, it is easier to fix something that hasn't been completely shattered. Because once it's been completely shattered, once it has fallen into the river, now we need a miracle. The good news is God is in the miracle working business. And nothing is too far gone. 
So that was for married people. That's how you examine the acts. Single people or dating people, you're going to examine the acts from a completely different standpoint. You need to understand that when you are single, your junk is your junk. Their junk is their junk. But once you become married, there is no my junk and your junk. It is now our junk. Let me just give you an example. Before I got married, I bought my first house at 22 years old. I lived by myself, and it was the ultimate premier bachelor pad. <laughs> Starting on the ground floor level, when you walked into the house, I had my Beatles room. I had black carpet, and I had black pleather couches. Anybody remember the pleather couches in the early 2000s? You know, the ones if you took a good nap, you'd have to peel yourself off. Yeah, I had that, black carpet, grayed out walls, huge television, Beatles stuff everywhere. The dining room was empty. <laughs> the living room had one chair, two cinder blocks, a piece of wood that held another television. I turned one of the bedrooms into a full walk-in closet all the way around. I mean, this was the premier place for a 22-year-old guy to live. Some of the ladies out there are shaking their head. <laughs> as soon as I got married, that changed. Because now, not only did she bring all of her stuff with her, but she also had some new stuff to add. At one point in time, I could park in my garage. But once I got her history there, there was no place for me to even park in the garage. The point is, her junk now became my junk. Here's what you need to realize if you're single or dating. If you don't want their junk to become your junk, then you need to reconsider if you want to connect your life to them. Because once you marry them, there shouldn't be an option to get rid of that junk. Now, before you get married, you get to determine whether you want that junk in your life or not. What am I talking about junk? I'm talking about emotional issues. I'm talking about mental issues. How many of you know people are crazy? Do not look at your spouse right now. <laughs> People have all kinds of emotional baggage, mental baggage, financial baggage. You know, it's, it's, you may be living your life debt-free on top of your finances, and then you marry someone that realizes they got $5 million worth of college debt, and they don't have a job anywhere near being able to pay for any of that debt they've accrued. So these are all things, I mean, as simple as it may seem, these are all things that I need to look at and go, do I want to join myself to that? Because again, right now it's not my problem. Their emotional problem is not my problem. The fact that they are, uh, you know, s s extremely introverted and don't want to be around people, and I always want to be around people, like, is that going to be an issue for me in the future? If I want to go on family picnics with, you know, my grandparents and my great-grandparents and their parents and everybody else who's still alive and roaming this earth and I want to get them all together and my spouse or the person I'm dating has no interest in being with them, I need to figure out, is that okay or is that a deal-breaker? And I can't expect them to just shift and change magically. Sometimes we think, well, if I marry them, they'll change. You should never marry someone with the thought, well, they'll change. You should marry them with the thought of, They'll possibly do this for the rest of their life. 
If they have an anger issue, they may have an anger issue for the rest of their life. If they're abusive, they may be abusive for the rest of their life. Okay? So I want to examine those things. Here's another thing I want to look at. And I want to use like a very outlandish example for this because I don't want anyone to think that I'm pointing them out and hopefully no one is dealing with this issue. If you are, I was not aware of it. That's the disclaimer. But let's say I'm, I'm the type person who is like extremely into health, wellness, and fitness. Now, obviously, you know, this is not my story. But, like, I'm driven, baby. Like, I want to be at the gym every morning. When I get off work, the way I unwind is I want to go on a hike. I want to be in nature. Okay? That's me. But the person I'm dating hates the idea of walking anywhere. They are lazy. They are a couch potato. Am I going to be okay in the future if they never want to go on a hike with me? No, that's, that's up to you. Maybe you are okay. Maybe you can work that out to where it's like, you know what? I'm going to be this way, they're going to be this way, and that's okay. But maybe that's going to be a deal breaker. So what I'm trying to say is you've got to determine, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the juice worth the the squeeze. Is the result worth what I'm going to have to put up with for the rest of my life? Too many times I see people make stupid decisions within the dating process. Then they'll move in with the person. Then they get locked in. They feel like they're locked into a scenario that they cannot get out of. Listen, you are not married to that person until you are married to that person. When life gives you lemons, throw them away and bail. You don't have to make lemonade. Now I'm talking about single and dating. Once you're married, you have entered into a covenant relationship where you better figure out how to make the best lemonade you can. And y'all work together on that recipe so that you can wow the world with your lemonade. And we need to understand that marriage is not a contract. Many times we treat marriage like a contract, like if you do this, I'll do this. Here's the terms of the agreement. Marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant for better or for worse. If you are not willing to take that step and make that covenant, then do not do it. Fair enough? I feel like some of y'all are just like, it's going to get good. It's okay. Right now we got shrimp and sausage, but by the time we end this thing, we're going to have some gumbo. Turn the person next to say, we'll have some gumbo. So examine the acts. Also in this process of examining the acts, I want to examine myself. Too many times we're looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right when actually my focus should be becoming the right person. Before I start pursuing who I think would be right for me, I need to start thinking, am I the right person for someone else? Have I dealt with what I need to deal with? Have I gotten the healing that I need to get? Where am I in my walk with God? Where am I in my faith? Am I firm or am I shaky? Before I figure out them, I need to figure out myself. I need to take time to examine myself. Somebody say examine yourself. So that's some of the proactive things that we can do to 
help keep things from breaking down, but sometimes, no matter what we do, no matter how hard we feel like we've tried, things break down because we're human beings and we're flawed. Something slips through the cracks, something goes unnoticed. Maybe we gave too much attention to our children and missed out on the needs of our spouse, and now things have fallen apart. Now we're at the place where the axe head is in the water, it is sinking. Again, you may not be here right now, but that doesn't mean that some point in time you will not be there. Hello? I know people who were married for 25 years. Everything seemed to be okay. But at some point, that axe head hit the bottom of the river. And the first thing I want you to notice is the man who lost his axe head responds with, I want it back. That's very important. You have to want it back. The only way that axe head is going to float is you have to desire to have it back, and both of you have to desire it. And so he goes to the man of God. He says, the axe head that I borrowed, the axe that I did not examine has now broken. My edge is in the water, but I want it back. And the man of God says, where did it fall? Turn to the person next to you say, where did it fall? The question you need to ask is, where did it go wrong? When I was a kid, my grandparents had a swimming pool that we used to swim at all the time. I loved that swimming pool. It had a really deep end with a diving board. The water was always pristine during the summertime. But during the off-season, they didn't cover the pool. During the off-season, they stopped putting in the chemicals. During the off-season, they didn't run the pump as often as they, sh- as they should. And so by springtime, that beautiful pool looked like at Lake Altoona. You didn't want to get in it because you would probably catch something and die. <laughs> now, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen all of the sudden. It was a process of time, but it started when they made the decision to stop putting in the chemicals. So in our relationship, when the axe head falls off, it may seem all of a sudden, but it is something that started way back here. Maybe we stopped doing something that we used to do. Maybe we started doing something unhealthy that we should have never started. And over time, things start to break down. Things start to get murky. Things start to get dirty. And the best thing for us to do is think through Where did it go wrong? What are some of the things we used to do that brought fulfillment to our relationship? Where are some of the places we used to go that brought fulfillment to our relationship? What are some of the healthy habits that we once had that we no longer have? Do do you remember when you first met your spouse, how exciting that was? Do you remember... And some of you are in an age group that this will not make sense to you. But, but some of you who are a little bit more seasoned in life like me, you're going to get this. Do you remember talking on the phone for hours? You lay there almost all night long just on that phone. The, the conversation really had no even meaning to it. You just wanted to hear their voice and you wanted to know they're on the other line. And then finally, when it got so late that you needed to go to sleep because you had to wake up for school the next morning, you'd say, well, we got to go. 
You hang up. No, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. Uh-uh, you hang up. Okay, we'll, we'll hang up on three. One, two, three. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I tell you what, let's just, let's just go to sleep with the phones on. Like, what kind of weirdos were we? <laughs> let's just go to sleep with the phones on, like, like we're going to make love through osmosis or something. Do you remember how ready you would get for a date? I mean, I would shower. <laughs> I would get fixed up. If I needed a haircut, I'd get a haircut. If I needed to shave, I would shave. I would take my car, get it cleaned. I would make sure that we had a reservation. I mean, I would go all out for this experience. Why? Because I'm trying to impress this woman that I like. At the same time, ladies, there are things that you do to try to impress the man that you like. There are things that you do that you use as your tools within your arsenal to try to attract them. But here's what you need to understand. Whatever you did to attract them are the things that you have to continue to do to keep them. Whatever brought fulfillment to your relationship in the beginning are the same things that you need to keep on doing. And some of you, again, are thinking, "Mm -mm, you don't know our relationship. He don't need that no more. She don't care if I brush my teeth before I kiss her in the morning. Bruh. She does. Just because you've gotten older, just because you've been together for a long time, does not mean that you should let things slip apart. You can't allow it to slip into the mundane. You can't allow life to just go through the motions, because if you allow it to go through the motions, eventually things are going to break down. The same effort I've spent on attracting my spouse, I need to spend more effort on keeping my spouse if I want a healthy relationship. And again, that's my desire. I want a healthy relationship. I want to give an example to my three daughters of what it actually looks like to love a mom and care for a mom and be there for a mom. Not just be a good dad and be there for them. I want to show them what it looks like to be there for their mother. Yesterday, we we went camping, okay? And if you know me, you need to know that's not my thing. It's her thing, okay? So that's something that I will do because my wife thoroughly enjoys it. I will spend the weekend in freezing temperatures, right? Yesterday, she wanted to go on a walk. She knows to not call it a hike because as soon as, she, as soon as she calls it a hike, I check out. But if it's like, hey, let's go on a walk, I'll do that. But, but we were positioned in this place where there was this beautiful sunset, and I knew she, I knew she digs like sunsets, stuff like that, you know. So I said, hey, let's, let's go over there and watch the sunset. And then my daughters, you know, started coming over, and, and they were watching. I said, I said, I said, watch this, I'm going to kiss mommy. And they started freaking out, man. No, 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 no. And they just came up and started putting their hand. We were playing. But, but what I'm saying is, through that, they were able to see us be playful with one another. They, they were able to see us enjoy being around one another. Those things don't happen on accident. Hear what I'm saying. Those things don't happen for me because I'm a perfect person with a perfect thought life and perfect actions. 
every relationship is going to take work. You just got to figure out, are you willing to work it? Are you willing to do what it takes? A successful marriage is not an accident. It's an intended result mapped out by the seeds you sow. I want to say that again. And you can apply this to every area of your life. It doesn't have to just be a relationship. It's just what we happen to be talking about today. A successful marriage is not an accident. It's an intended result mapped out by the seeds we sow. Understand your words are seeds. Your thoughts are seeds. Your actions are seeds. And every seed is designed to bring an intended result. Somebody say an intended result. Galatians 6 verse 7, the Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever, that's a big word right there. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. It is the law of seed time and harvest. Just like we understand the law of gravity, if you throw something up, it's coming back down. Well, seed time and harvest says if you plant a seed, it will produce a crop. If I, per, if I plant an orange seed, it is going to bring me what? Oranges. Now, if I plant that orange seed and I go outside expecting an apple tree, should I be disappointed? No, because I have not planted the proper seed for what I want to grow. Now start thinking about your thoughts, your words, your actions, because you can actually map out your future based upon the seeds that you sow. And many times when it comes to sowing the right seed, you'll have to get beyond how you feel in the moment. You may not feel like saying the right thing. You may not feel like keeping your mouth shut in the moment. You may not feel like acting a certain way. You may not feel like keeping your mind fixed in a certain arena, but you've got to learn how to discipline yourself and go beyond your feelings. Can I be honest with you? This morning when I woke up, I did not feel saved. I felt tired. I got out of the bed very early this morning. I started drinking coffee. I'm trying to get ready for the day. And it was just, I was on the struggle bus. And I'm sitting there, I'm trying to pray, I'm trying to study, and I'm staring out my window. And I thought to myself, what would happen if I didn't go today? Like, I was really thinking, like, I could possibly just not show up. Like, the, the worship team could probably handle it. We'll call it a worship and communion service. And I'll be like, hey, Randy, the I'm not going to make it, bro. Communion's in the back, you know. That's how I felt. But as I began to pray, see, I wasn't going to stay in my feelings. I started to pray. I started to shift my focus. And I allowed the Spirit of God to move me and motivate me beyond how I felt in the moment. Too many times in a relationship, we work with what we feel in the moment. Stop trying to work with what you feel and start working with what you have in your hand, the seeds that you can sow. What is something kind you can say? You know, she still likes to hear that she's beautiful. She still likes to hear how important she is to you. 
She still wants to hear how much of a difference she's making in your life and in the life of your family. She still wants to hear that you think about her. She still wants to know that you want to spend time with her. Are you understanding? And, and every, every man's different, every woman's different. Hopefully, you, if you've been together long enough, you understand what makes your spouse tick. Whatever it is that makes them tick, keep on ticking it. You understand what I'm saying? Keep on ticking it. Keep on working it because your desire is to receive an intended result. I'm not living life on accident. I am living intentionally by sowing the right seeds. And then here's the key to sowing seeds. Are you ready for this? Not only do you have to be intentional, but you have to be consistent. Somebody say, I have to be consistent. Does anybody know how many watermelon seeds are in a watermelon, but just off the top of your head? Hey, I have no idea either. I know there's black ones and there's white ones. Do you know the difference between the black ones and the white ones? Uh, the, the white ones aren't fertile. I learned that the other day. Or at least that's what Google told me. <laughs> I believe it. So you have black seeds. We don't know how many. But there's a lot. And every seed has the potential to produce what? A watermelon. So think about how many watermelons you can get out of one watermelon. So let's say I take every fertile seed from that watermelon and I plant it. Come harvest time, I can expect a bunch of what? Watermelons. Now let's assume, assume that I go through and I take seeds from those watermelons and I plant these seeds. What am I going to get? Watermelons. I'm going to have a lot of watermelons. And the more I repeat this process, the more watermelons I'm going to get. Eventually, I could become a watermelon farmer with all of my watermelons. But let's say one day I walk out of my house and I'm looking at all my watermelons and I go, oh my goodness, look what I've done. Such a beautiful field full of watermelons. I think I have enough. I have enough to feed my family watermelon for a long time. I have enough to invite people over for some watermelon. I have enough to even set up a watermelon stand on the side of the road and sell some watermelons, put a little coin in my pocket. I will not plant any more seeds because I don't need it. It may not happen over time, uh, immediately. It may not happen immediately, but over time, what's going to happen? My crop's going to become depleted. Whatever you fail to sow will stop growing. So, so there may be a point in your relationship where you feel like, man, everything's really good right now. Well, good, keep it that way. Keep on doing what you know to do. My aunt, before I got married, gave me the best advice on marriage that I've ever received. And I say this at every, almost every wedding ceremony I do, if not every wedding ceremony I do. I, she told me this. She says, start your marriage the way you want it to end. End your marriage the way you started it. What she's saying is, work what works and keep on working it. There, there, there can never become a time that you put your life on autopilot. That's true for business. That's true for your spiritual well-being. That's true for your relationships. As soon as you go, you know what, I'm hitting autopilot, things are going to begin to slow down. And again, it may not happen all of a sudden, but over time, 
you'll wake up to find out that you have no more watermelons in the field. So I have to be intentional with what I sow, and I have to keep on sowing it. And I have to want it back. Let's go back to that. Somebody say, I have to want it back. What's amazing to me about this man in the story is he's borrowed this ax, the head falls off, and instead of going, I'm going to go to Home Depot and get another ax, he says, I want that one back. Remember, we're talking about relationships. How many of us, when the iron sinks, we just leave it in the water thinking I can go get another iron? So the first thing is we have to have desire. Both of us have to desire the iron back, desire the edge back. But then we've got to both be willing to put in the effort it takes to get it. You understand that every relationship is going to take effort? If you're not willing to deal with the acts you have right now, you're going to have to deal with the future acts. Sometimes we think like, well, if I just jump to this relationship, everything's going to be better. Not if you go into this relationship with the same patterns and behaviors you had here. It's going to be the exact same situation. You understand what I'm saying? And so we need to determine, do I want it back? And so the man, he says, I want it back. Elisha says, where did it fall? As soon as he figures out the place that it fell, God performs a miracle based upon his desire. But watch this. When the axe head floats back, the man then has to reach down and take it. Too many times we think the miracle process is God makes it float, God puts it back on the handle, and then God starts swinging the axe to cut more logs. And it doesn't work that way. God will do what he can do, but you've got to do what you can do. I say it like this. When I, can, when I do everything that I can do, then God steps in and does everything that only he can do. So God, this is my desire. This is what I want. This is the marriage that you've given me. This is the marriage that I want to be fruitful. Your word says it can. I want it. I want it back. I want the thrill. I want the passion. I want the desire, and I want it back. That's my prayer. Okay, but now I'm going to apply some seeds because how many of you know faith without works is what? <clears throat> Flatline. So not only am I going to desire it, not only am I going to pray about it, but I'm going to put in the work that it takes. I'm going to reach down and take the axe head back, even if I'm not getting the response I want to get immediately. Because again, remember, I'm working on me, not on them. I'm going to do what I know to do no matter how they respond. The result of how they respond is not up to me. The only thing I control is me. I can control my thoughts. I can control my mouth. I can control, are you seeing it? My actions, all I can control is me. I can't make them be kind, but I can be kind. I can't make them say something nice, but I can say something nice. And listen, if that axe head has floated deep down into that river, it may take a little bit of time for it to resurface. Am I willing to put in the time? Am I willing to put in the effort? Am I willing to do what needs to be done to get back what we used to have? Earlier I said that if you ever had it, you can get it back. I, I firmly believe that. 
I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But if there was ever a passion, if there was ever a love, if there was ever honor, if there was ever respect, I do believe if, if you're willing to work for it, you can get it back. But it will take work and effort that flows from your desire.